0: Chapter 6. Jesus Christ, Our Savior and Redeemer We declare the divinity of Jesus Christ. We look to Him as the only source of our salvation. From the Life of Ezra Taft Benson I cannot recall a time that I did not believe in Jesus Christ, President Ezra Taft Benson said. It seems that the reality of His life, death, and resurrection has always been a part of me, I was reared in a home by faithful parents who earnestly believed in and testified of Christ, for which I am most grateful. This testimony of Jesus Christ was the foundation of President Benson's life. It shaped his priorities, guided his decisions, and helped him through trials. It provided perspective on the purpose of mortality and confidence in the promises and blessings of eternal life. During his apostolic ministry as a special witness of Jesus Christ, President Benson frequently bore testimony of the Savior, acknowledging that the question is sometimes asked, Are Mormons Christians? He testified, We declare the divinity of Jesus Christ. We look to Him as the only source of our salvation— we strive to live his teachings and we look forward to the time that he shall come again on this earth to rule and reign as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In the words of a Book of Mormon prophet we say, there is no other name given nor any other way nor means whereby salvation can come unto the children of men, only in and through the name of Christ, the Lord Omnipotent. Mosiah chapter 3 verse 17. President Benson's declarations of the divinity of Jesus Christ were often linked to the Book of Mormon. Through the Book of Mormon, God has provided for our day tangible evidence that Jesus is the Christ, he said. He taught that the Book of Mormon's major mission is to convince people of this truth. Over one-half of all the verses in the Book of Mormon refer to Our Lord, he noted. He is given over one hundred different names in the Book of Mormon— Those names have a particular significance in describing His divine nature. President Benson's testimony of the Savior revealed the personal closeness he felt with Him. With all my soul, I love Him. I humbly testify that He is the same loving, compassionate Lord today as when He walked the dusty roads of Palestine. He is close to His servants on this earth. He cares about and loves each of us today— Of that you can be assured. He lives today as our Lord, our Master, our Savior, our Redeemer, and our God. God bless us all to believe in Him, to accept Him, to worship Him, to fully trust in Him, and to follow Him. Teachings of Ezra Taft Benson Section 1 Because of His infinite love for us, Jesus Christ redeemed us from physical and spiritual death— no other single influence has had so great an impact on this earth as the life of Jesus the Christ. We cannot conceive of our lives without his teachings. Without him, we would be lost in a mirage of beliefs and worships born in fear and darkness where the sensual and materialistic hold sway. We are far short of the goal he set for us, but we must never lose sight of it, nor must we forget that our great climb toward the light toward perfection, would not be possible except for his teaching, his life, his death, and his resurrection. To have any measure of appreciation and gratitude for what Jesus Christ accomplished in our behalf, we must remember these vital truths. Jesus came to earth to do our Father's will. He came with a foreknowledge that he would bear the burden of the sins of us all. He knew he would be lifted up on the cross. He was born to be the Savior and Redeemer of all mankind. He was able to accomplish His mission because He was the Son of God and He possessed the power of God. He was willing to accomplish His mission because He loves us. No mortal being had the power or capability to redeem all other mortals from their lost and fallen condition, nor could any other voluntarily forfeit His life and thereby bring to pass a universal resurrection for all other mortals. Only Jesus Christ was able and willing to accomplish such a redeeming act of love. Jesus Christ came to this earth at a foreappointed time through a royal birthright that preserved His godhood. Combined in His nature were the human attributes of His mortal mother and the divine attributes and powers of His eternal Father. His unique heredity made him heir to the honored title, The Only Begotten Son of God in the Flesh. As the Son of God, he inherited powers and intelligence which no human ever had before or since. He was literally Emmanuel, which means God with us. See Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, Matthew chapter 1 verse 23. Even though he was God's Son sent to earth, the divine plan of the Father required that Jesus be subjected to all the difficulties and tribulations of mortality. Thus he became subject to temptations, hunger, thirst, and fatigue. Messiah chapter 3, verse 7 To qualify as the Redeemer of all our Father's children, Jesus had to be perfectly obedient to all the laws of God. Because he subjected himself to the will of the Father, he grew from grace to grace until he received a fullness of the Father's power. Thus he had all power both in heaven and on earth. Doctrine and Covenants, section 93, verses 13 and 17. Because Jesus was God, even the Son of God, he could carry the weight and burden of other men's sins on himself. Isaiah prophesied of our Savior's willingness to do this in these words, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5 That holy, unselfish act of voluntarily taking on himself the sins of all other men is the atonement. How one could bear the sins for all is beyond the comprehension of mortal man. But this I know— he did take on himself the sins of all, and did so out of his infinite love for each of us. He has said, For behold, I, God, have suffered these things for all, that they might not suffer if they would repent. Which suffering caused myself, even God, the greatest of all, to tremble because of pain, and to bleed at every pore, and to suffer both body and spirit, and would that I might not drink the bitter cup and shrink. Doctrine and Covenants, section 19, verses 16 and 18. In spite of that excruciating ordeal, he took the cup and drank. He suffered the pains of all men, so we would not have to suffer. He endured the humiliation and insults of his persecutors without complaint or retaliation. He bore the flogging and then the ignominy of the brutal execution— the cross. In Gethsemane and on Calvary, Jesus worked out the infinite and eternal atonement. It was the greatest single act of love in recorded history. Then followed His death and resurrection. Thus He became our Redeemer, redeeming all of us from physical death and redeeming those of us from spiritual death who will obey the laws and ordinances of the gospel. We may never understand nor comprehend immortality how he accomplished what he did, but we must not fail to understand why he did what he did. Everything he did was prompted by his unselfish, infinite love for us. Section 2 Jesus Christ came forth from the tomb, and he lives today as a resurrected being. The greatest events of history are those that affect the greatest number of people for the longest periods. By this standard, no event could be more important to individuals or nations than the resurrection of the Master. The literal resurrection of every soul who has lived and died on earth is a certainty, and surely one should make careful preparation for this event. A glorious resurrection should be the goal of every man and woman, for resurrection will be a reality. Nothing is more absolutely universal than the resurrection. Every living being will be resurrected. As in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22. The scriptural record tells us that on the third day following Jesus' crucifixion, there was a great earthquake. The stone was rolled back from the door of the tomb. Some of the women, among the most devoted of his followers, came to the place with spices and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. Angels appeared and said simply, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Luke chapter 24, verses 3 through 6 Nothing in history equals that dramatic announcement, He is not here, but is risen. The fact of our Lord's resurrection is based on the testimonies of many credible witnesses. The risen Lord appeared to several women, to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, to Peter, to the apostles, and after that, as Paul reported, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, and last of all, he was seen of Paul also. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 6 and 8 As one of His latter-day witnesses, I testify that He lives today. He is a resurrected being. He is our Savior, our Lord, the very Son of God. I testify that He will come again as our glorified, resurrected Lord. That day is not far distant. To all who accept Him as Savior and Lord, His literal resurrection means that life does not end at death, for He promised, Because I live, ye shall live also. John chapter 14, verse 19. He alone had the power of resurrection. And so, on the third day following his burial, he came forth from the tomb alive and showed himself to many. As one of his special witnesses, so called in this day, I testify to you that he lives. He lives with a resurrected body. There is no truth or fact of which I am more assured or more confident than the truth of the literal resurrection of our Lord. Section 3. We must be valiant in our testimony of Jesus Christ. A most priceless blessing available to every member of the Church is a testimony of the divinity of Jesus Christ and His Church. A testimony is one of the few possessions we may take with us when we leave this life. To have a testimony of Jesus is to possess knowledge through the Holy Ghost of the divine mission of Jesus Christ. A testimony of Jesus is to know the divine nature of our Lord's birth, that He is indeed the only begotten Son in the flesh. A testimony of Jesus is to know that He was the promised Messiah and that while He sojourned among men, He accomplished many mighty miracles. A testimony of Jesus is to know that the laws which He prescribed as His doctrine are true and then to abide by these laws and ordinances— To possess a testimony of Jesus is to know that He voluntarily took upon Himself the sins of all mankind in the Garden of Gethsemane, which caused Him to suffer in both body and spirit, and to bleed from every pore. All this He did so that we would not have to suffer if we would repent. See Doctrine and Covenants, section 19, verses 16 and 18. To possess a testimony of Jesus is to know that He came forth triumphantly from the grave with a physical, resurrected body— And because he lives, so shall all mankind. To possess a testimony of Jesus is to know that God the Father and Jesus Christ did indeed appear to the prophet Joseph Smith to establish a new dispensation of his gospel, so that salvation may be preached to all nations before he comes. To possess a testimony of Jesus is to know that the church which he established in the meridian of time and restored in modern times is, as the Lord has declared, the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth. Doctrine and Covenants, section 1, verse 30. Having such a testimony is vital, but of even greater importance is being valiant in our testimony. A testimony of Jesus means that we accept the divine mission of Jesus Christ, embrace His gospel, and do His works. It also means we accept the prophetic mission of Joseph Smith and his successors and follow their counsel— As Jesus said, Whether by mine own voice or by the voice of my servants, it is the same. Doctrine and Covenants section 1 verse 38 Speaking of those who will eventually receive the blessings of the celestial kingdom, the Lord said to Joseph Smith, They are they who received the testimony of Jesus and believed on his name and were baptized after the manner of his burial, being buried in the water in his name, and this according to the commandment which he has given. DOCTRINE AND COVENANTS, SECTION 76, VERSE 51 These are they who are valiant in their testimony of Jesus, who, as the Lord has declared, overcome by faith and are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, which the Father sheds forth upon all those who are just and true. DOCTRINE AND COVENANTS, SECTION 76, VERSE 53 SECTION 4 Faith in Jesus Christ consists of relying completely on Him and following His teachings. The fundamental principle of our religion is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is it expedient that we center our confidence, our hope, and our trust in one solitary figure? Why is faith in Him so necessary to peace of mind in this life and hope in the world to come? Our answers to these questions determine whether we face the future with courage hope, and optimism, or with apprehension, anxiety, and pessimism. My message and testimony is this. Only Jesus Christ is uniquely qualified to provide that hope, that confidence, and that strength we need to overcome the world and rise above our human failings. To do so, we must place our faith in Him and live by His laws and teachings— Faith in Him is more than mere acknowledgement that He lives. It is more than professing belief. Faith in Jesus Christ consists of complete reliance on Him. As God, He has infinite power, intelligence, and love. There is no human problem beyond His capacity to solve. Because He descended below all things, see Doctrine and Covenants, section 122, verse 8, He knows how to help us rise above our daily difficulties. Faith in Him means believing that even though we do not understand all things, He does. We, therefore, must look to Him in every thought, doubt not, fear not. Doctrine and Covenants, section 6, verse 36. Faith in Him means trusting that He has all power over all men and all nations. There is no evil which He cannot arrest. All things are in His hands. This earth is His rightful dominion, yet He permits evil so that we can make choices between good and evil. His gospel is the perfect prescription for all human problems and social ills. But His gospel is only effective as it is applied in our lives. Therefore, we must feast upon the words of Christ, for behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things what ye should do second nephi chapter 32 verse 3 unless we do his teachings we do not demonstrate faith in him think what a different world this would be if all mankind would do as he said love the lord thy god with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself matthew chapter 22 verses 37 and 39 what then is the answer to the question What is to be done concerning the problems and dilemmas that individuals, communities, and nations face today? Here is his simple prescription. Believe in God. Believe that He is and that He created all things, both in heaven and in earth. Believe that He has all wisdom and all power, both in heaven and in earth. Believe that man doth not comprehend all the things which the Lord can comprehend." Believe that ye must repent of your sins and forsake them, and humble yourselves before God, and ask in sincerity of heart that He would forgive you. And now, if you believe all these things, see that ye do them. Mosiah 4, verses 9 and 10 Section 5 We are most blessed and joyful when we strive to be like Jesus Christ. One of the purposes of this life is for us to be tested to see whether we will do all things whatsoever the Lord our God shall command us. Abraham chapter 3 verse 25 In short, we are to learn the will of the Lord and do it. We are to follow the model of Jesus Christ and be like Him. The essential question of life should be the same one posed by Paul. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Acts chapter 9 verse 6 We need more men and women of Christ who will always remember Him, who will keep His commandments which He has given them. The greatest yardstick of success is to see how closely we can walk each moment in His steps. Some are willing to die for their faith, but they are not willing to fully live for it. Christ both lived and died for us. Through His atonement and by walking in His steps, we can gain the greatest gift of all, eternal life which is that kind of life of the Great Eternal One, our Father in Heaven. Christ asked the question, What manner of men ought we to be? Then He answered by saying, We ought to be even as He is. 3 Nephi chapter 27, verse twenty-seven. That person is greatest and most blessed and joyful, whose life most closely approaches the pattern of the Christ. This has nothing to do with earthly wealth, power, or prestige— The only true test of greatness, blessedness, joyfulness is how close a life can come to being like the Master, Jesus Christ. He is the right way, the full truth, and the abundant life. The constant and most recurring question in our minds, touching every thought and deed of our lives, should be, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Acts chapter 9 verse 6. The answer to that question comes only through the light of Christ and the Holy Ghost. Fortunate are those who so live that their being is filled with both. Considering all that Jesus Christ has done and is doing for us, there is something that we might give Him in return. Christ's great gift to us was His life and sacrifice. Should that not then be our small gift to Him, our lives and sacrifices, not only now but in the future? Those who are captained by Christ will be consumed in Christ. Their will is swallowed up in His will. See John chapter 5, verse 30. They do always those things that please the Lord. See John chapter 8, verse 29. Not only would they die for the Lord, but more important, they want to live for Him. Enter their homes, and the pictures on their walls, the books on their shelves, the music in the air, Their words and acts reveal them as Christians. They stand as witnesses of God at all times and in all things and in all places. See Mosiah chapter 18 verse 9. They have Christ on their minds as they look unto Him in every thought. See Doctrine and Covenants section 6 verse 36. They have Christ in their hearts as their affections are placed on Him forever. See Alma chapter 37 verse 36. Almost every week they partake of the sacrament and witness anew to their eternal Father that they are willing to take upon them the name of His Son, always remember Him, and keep His commandments. See Moroni chapter 4, verse 3. In Book of Mormon language, they feast upon the words of Christ. 2nd Nephi chapter 32, verse 3. Talk of Christ. 2nd Nephi chapter 25, verse 26. Rejoice in Christ. 2 Nephi chapter 25 verse 26 are made alive in Christ 2 Nephi chapter 25 verse 25 and glory in their Jesus see 2 Nephi chapter 33 verse 6 in short they lose themselves in the lord and find eternal life see Luke chapter 17 verse 33
1: Suggestions for Study and Teaching Questions President Benson taught that while we cannot completely understand how the Savior carried out the Atonement, we can understand why He did it. See Section 1. In what ways does this understanding influence your life? As you study Section 2, think about the impact of the Savior's resurrection How does His resurrection influence your life? Why do you think a testimony of Jesus Christ is a most priceless blessing? See section 3. What does it mean to you to be valiant in your testimony of the Savior? Ponder President Benson's words about faith in Jesus Christ. See section 4. In what ways does this description of faith in Christ go beyond mere acknowledgement that He lives? President Benson said that people who are captained by Christ are willing to die for the Lord but more important they want to live for him section 5 what does it mean to you to live for the savior related scriptures John chapter 10 verses 17 and 18 2nd Nephi chapter 9 verses 20 through 24 chapter 31 verses 20 and 21. Mosiah, chapter 16, verses 6 through 11. Third Nephi, chapter 27, verses 20 through 22. Moroni, chapter 7, verse 33. Doctrine and Covenants, section 19, verses 1 through 3, and 16 through 19. Section 76, verses 22 through 24. The Third Article of Faith. Study Help As you feel the joy that comes from understanding the gospel, you will want to apply what you learn. Strive to live in harmony with your understanding. Doing so will strengthen your faith, knowledge, and testimony. Preach My Gospel, 2004, page 19.